Hello there, and welcome to a Dungeons and Dragons role-playing podcast. My name is Stacy, and I'm the DM. So come with me and my good friend Mick. Join us in our weekly discussion about our campaign. Listen to our successes and failures while trying to flex our role-playing muscle. The funny bits, the dumb bits, and the all-round good time that comes with this great activity. The cast for our second shot at this campaign is Elbrum, a male Asmar warlock with his pixie familiar silhouette starfire of an unnamed fey court. Then there's Morden, Morden Kell, a male elven rogue that wants to be a monk, and his brother Ventus, a male dark elf rogue with a coy smile. Asher Bloodfist, a male human barbarian that wants to kill the Black Sultan. And finally, we have Mick, who plays Calidus Magnus Lunior, a male elf-marked wizard who's got a box. The campaign setting is the Southlands from Cobalt Press. We're using the D&D 5e ruleset, and we game using the Fantasy Grounds virtual tabletop. So that's the cast. That's the campaign. Now, welcome to the show. In this episode... The search for Rahid goes into full swing, and the search starts with the players at the docks where Rahid's squat is located. There are bodies about, but no Rahid. And Calidus? Well, Calidus finds his real stone. So, do the players stay put and hope to catch Rahid as he returns home? Is Rahid with the blind beggar? And who are the laundry women? And do they know where he is? Does he really have a girlfriend? Just how silky smooth is that drow Ventus? Can he persuade everyone to divulge all? Then, there's the alchemist, Ashad El-Heth. How is he involved? And what's up with the menagerie woman below his home? So many rumors. So many directions. Where is Rahid? So sit back, stay tuned, and enjoy. Oh, and, um... Big dibs to Deluxe Oz's DOE Locations Extension. Simply amazing. Here we are again, sitting with Mick and reviewing last week's, or actually, sorry, our last session, which was yesterday. And this time around, we had the guys starting out. They were on the docks where they thought Rahid's home was. And I, I think the interesting thing was from the beginning, when I asked the guys to review where they were, they talked about sitting in Rahid's house and and waiting for Rahid to return. And at this point, I don't mind revealing that it wasn't Rahid's house. <laughs> it was just a ruined building that was on the docks uh, that you guys were housed up in, hoping that Rahid would return. And he didn't return. We've been given bad directions. Well, you were given good directions. You were given directions to where he lived. You found a bunch of his 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 people who were all dead. Uh, friends or whatnot, you don't still haven't figured out no, who I they are. So you sat there, you know, you set up the snake. I think one guy was like the, the giant constrictor snake and wanted to do something funny with his head. But at the end, Rahi didn't show up. You had, I said, your long rest. Next morning came and six o'clock in the morning, you guys are like, what are we going to do now? Yeah. And what did you guys, you guys were thinking of? Well, it was to go to the next place. Where was he? The, the two places that he was going to, one was he was going home and the other one was he was going to the 
to visit the laundry women. Or there was something else too. One of you guys thought that he was going to go. Uh, one of you guys had said that you thought he was working for the blind man. I thought that was good. Yes. I don't know where that logic came from, but it was. That was, was like, someone. Someone misheard something from two two episodes ago, or yeah. The one of the very few forgetful things that has happened where they're going, there was a blind man, Rahid was working. In fact, he was stealing from the blind man. And see, even here at this very beginning, opened up the session. I gave you guys a little intro of what the day was. I, in Discord, I picked out a couple of the characters and I sent them some private messages about what happened during the evening just to add a little bit more to their backstory. But as soon as we picked up, the first thing is, is I gave my little brief introduction in terms of what the day was. And then I left it to you guys. And what I really loved was that you guys were like, okay, well, what do we do now? And I didn't, as a GM, I didn't need to guide you in this or push you guys. You guys remembered enough that you were like, okay, well, we remember the laundry woman and we remember the blind man. And then you guys debated at that point, well, what do we do? Which one do we go to? And, and it's interesting that the, the one thing that has been happening consistently and that is that no matter how many times you try and sidetrack us with little baubles off here and there, someone always comes back to the original goal, which is to find the gem. And it doesn't matter how much money we get offered to go and do something else. It's always, this is what we're doing. We're going to go and find the gem. You know, that actually makes me think that perhaps there is this, this uh, good way to do it is that, or a different style is like, you know, Almost everybody is going to have this expectation. You start out a game, you meet someone that gives you a mission. Somehow a mission gets started. That is what you're going to accomplish. That sure would be a good way to throw people in the sense that that first thing that you think is a mission really isn't a mission at all. And something else that comes as a plot element is actually the actual mission. But I think that would totally derail and a lot of people. Look, and I, I've thought about that in terms of the fact that these the, the team keeps saying, this is the mission. We have to go and do the mission. And I thought that we could actually, I, I thought you already might have been playing this card and that, that this was just the start and there's lots of other things to do because the the other challenges that keep coming up seem to pay more and more money and seem to be more and more lucrative as we go along. But there's also a an alignment within this group and that is that they've made a commitment and they are going to fulfil the commitment and their commitment is to find the gem and take it back to Henna. Yep. And I don't, it would be interesting to see how far, how much you would have to offer and how much you would have to pay and what it would take to move them off that line. You know, just what do you have to give them to move away from that yeah. line and just abandon that yeah. mission altogether? Yeah. And I don't think with this group that you can. Yeah. So hard to say, hard to say because at the end of the day, as far as I'm concerned, in terms of the story, I have a picture of you know, the overall plot, and then there's some sub-element plots, and those sub-element plots, each of them are, are important. So coming down and just completely going off on a side tangent. I mean, there are some ideas I have, you know, it's really developing quite a bit, and, and I haven't fully developed those out. So, you know, sticking to that, I'm glad they, they do, because then it would really put a lot more work on my shoulders. And and the other thing, too, is that if you look at the previous group who who played the same the same campaign, they couldn't concentrate on yeah. one aim. And every time they got off at a ball somewhere else, off they went to chase it. Yeah. And, so at well, the end of the day, they were chasing their tails all over town and never actually fulfilled any of them. And I never pushed, completed one. And I pushed quite often because I'm very clear with the other group, this, it, they would wake up in the morning 
and they would have no idea where to go. They would have forgotten every little tie that that's spoken of, and they'd be like, oh, well, so what do we do? Uh, yeah. I don't know. Where do you want to go? And then they would just, you know, if, if I left it like that, they would, do, they would just go somewhere completely unrelated to anything, and it would just be... Uh, so disorganized and hodgepodge. I mean, there'd be no story. Yeah, and that and and part of it is like a, is that it is a game, and the easier the players make it for the DM by you know being decisive mm. and remembering what they have to remember, the the more fun they'll have. Yeah, I, I think so because it 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 really is that business about sharing on sharing, uh, about really understanding that it's not just me preaching to you that here's a story and just listen to it because that's no better than a book, really. Yeah. This is really, you know, your players got to interact with each other. You got to recognize that not only will your, your interactions with each other have consequences to each other, but it'll also have consequences to the, the people that you meet as well. So it should be like that. It should be that, you know, if the rogue wants to be the rogue and steal from another player, there really ought to be consequences. And the consequences are usually going to be very, very dire because nobody's yeah. going to want to play. Yes. Uh, and that's an interesting thing too, is it, it, it begs the question, should a good DM kill off players when they behave inappropriately? And I, and I don't think that that happens enough. Yeah, it, pro- it, it, it certainly doesn't. I know that I struggle with that because I, I sit there and think you spend so much time developing something for that character and then just removing it. But yeah, I mean, yes, it probably should be the way to go is if characters are going way off the derailing things and making it less fun. I mean, I understand if you want to play something like a, a rogue. I mean, rogues just tend to be, most people do not tend to play them the Robin Hood point of view. Most like, I'm a rogue, I'm going to steal. And yeah, maybe I'm off base with this, but uh, if they play from that perspective and they steal from other characters, if you don't sit there and think, how can I do this to make this an enjoyable thing for the player that I'm stealing from and for the GM, then it's just going to have a negative thing. Yeah. I mean, that, that's just it. If you can't spin it so that it's, it's, it's funny, then it's just not going to fly. Yeah. But anyways, so you guys had two decisions before you, you ended up making a good decision and you went to visit the laundry room, which is in this campaign setting, laundry room is the term for prostitutes. Yep. And that was good. We arrived there early in the morning. And as we all know, prostitutes don't work early in the morning. <laughs> um, although everyone denied that they knew anything about prostitutes and everyone we spoke to in the, in the game also denied. That they- and Calidus <laughs> comes up there first thing in the morning and is extremely derogatory yeah. to the headmistress. Yes, dropped a clangers straight up. Yeah. Um, yes, asking for business at nine o'clock in the morning is a bit much. Yeah. Um, we were chasing down... Rahid's girlfriend, uh, who wasn't there and hadn't been seen for a day. And once again, we see another temptation thrown at us by the, the DM to sidetrack us off to what happened to the, the disappearing prostitute. Where has she gone? It's something like a 1950s movie, isn't it? Yep. So we left the, the place that they meet at and went to the actual boarding house where they all work and do their business. And she wasn't there. But one of our, one of the elves was able to. Yeah, this was so. You guys had a chit chat. Um, you met the headmistress, and she was kind of rough with you guys uh, a little bit. I, I, I love that uh, you guys were asked. You guys came in, and it almost 
you guys almost sounded like you were friends of Rahid's. And I was, I was so excited if you pursued that because I was, then the tables would have been very, very different. But at some point, I think I, I, I probably gave too much away in the way she responded to you guys that you guys, uh, completely didn't go along that line of thought. Oh, no, no, no. You, 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 you gave what would happen. You gave the condescending, yes, we like Rahid, which was immediately picked up as being, Okay, we know that you're lying and you don't like him at all, which is exactly what you would get if you went up there. I mean, she's, you know, customer-facing position. If you say you like Rahid and he's a great friend of yours, then she will say, yep, fine, all I want is your money. Here are my girls. Thank you very much. The result of that is if you went along that line, it would have been a lot more different than just here's my money. Thank you very yeah. much. Yeah. But I, I thought it was interesting that what you guys did is you guys – started going down this direction and I'm not sure I think it was Elbrum who decided oh wait no no we're not friends with him we're looking for him we're looking for him yes so it kind of changed the story and and of course that I was like okay so then I I, I went along where with what that direction was and and when I and here's the funny thing when I introduced that Rahid was dating or hooked up with one specific girl and and I know that you guys were told Hakan told you that he was with a a laundry woman but I never really developed what that would mean until you guys started asking certain questions. And this is one of those things where I was, I was so glad that you guys were talking with each other a lot because I hadn't even really thought much about if you guys decided to, to ask more about that girlfriend, what would, what would happen? So that was all on the fly. And, and I like that I had the time to think about, okay, what do I got to say here and how do I tie it into my plot? So, I'm, I'm and, happy with how that works. And again, that works on the on the you know this is this this obsession, I guess, or just the this is the commitment that they have made to finding the gem. And to do that, they have to find Rahid, and it's the girlfriend. They have a minimal number of links that they can get. Yep. The girlfriend is one. Where he lived was another. That he steals from the beggar is another. Where he was last, we are now to, at the stage where we are going to where he was last seen, and that was 24 hours ago. Yep. We are talking to everybody that we see as we go along, yep. hoping to get a much better view of where it is. But we are building a picture of what this guy is like. Yep. And we now know he has a girlfriend that hasn't been seen, so she could be hiding him. We know that she loves him because we got into her room, and or one of our members got into her room, yep. um, read her diary. Yeah, that was that was that was interesting. I, was, I liked, you know, that you guys went to the brothel. Someone met you at the door, and I was just like, "Oh man, would these guys be allowed to go in the brothel and in she, early in the morning?" And she was brilliant because she was. She did exactly what she would. What yeah. you expect? She was hesitant. She was reluctant. She wasn't going to let you in there. Certainly wasn't going to be bribed to let you in there. You know, and actually, that's a good question because there there are times when. I'm sitting there and I'm playing the NPC and there, I will intentionally be hesitant in my responses in order to, to make it appear that she's thinking about, no, I, I, if I've really prepared, I have a good idea of how that person will respond, but I do the hesitation because I'm, I'm hoping to throw you guys. <laughs> so but that, but I hope that comes across as that and not just, Oh, the GM's he's lost his track. So I, I don't know that it comes across. It, it doesn't come across as to throw us. It comes across as that the 
the, the, the person that we're talking to is indecisive, is having to make a decision yeah. about their ethics and where do they stand and what should they do. And in this particular case, when you look at this, the, the, um, she took a liking to one person. Well, it wasn't just that. It was, and I thought you guys were going to fail. I made you guys do a group persuasion check to see if you could convince her to let you in. And I, I, in my mind, I was like, this is a DC-17 because without the headmistress, this is good. Freaking hell. Again, once again, three of you roll higher than 20. And I was just like, crap, what do I do here? So th- then I was just like, okay, yeah, just I'll just let one go through. And that's what would have happened in real life anyway. Yeah. There's no way that you would expect someone in that position to have let everyone tromp through the house. She would have picked one person and said, yeah. you can come and look. And that's how it would and, and, and And I love the fact that, I mean... Elves are so rare in this world, but I love the fact that two guys are playing elves and one's a drow because they're going to be so, I mean, they'll tend to always be the guys that are going to be singled out just because they're so bloody, bloody rare. And so that's, and that's, I, it's great for me to work with. And that's a great thing from our point of view because the NPC can gets given that wonderful choice of they're rare, I'm either scared of them or they intrigue me so that if they speak to me, I'll tell them everything. So that's a, I mean, it's a, a great combination to have. Yeah. It also means that there is an opportunity here to divide and conquer the party. Yeah. You can, you can divide it off as there's the old guys and there's the other guys. Yeah. Which yeah, adds a bit more entertainment to it. Yeah, true. But so far it's, it's worked out quite well. And I mean, you guys went up there and, uh, uh Ventus went up. He did his search, the drow, and he found nothing. He found a diary where she mentioned Rahid as Lord of the Rats. And that's pretty much all she he found inside yeah. of her room of which left us one bits. Which left us with the, the opportunity to go um to the last place he was seen because that's all we had to work. We had nothing but that to work on. And it wasn't even that he was seen, it was that you knew that he was chased to them. No, 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 not not that. From questioning the headmistress and from the girl who was uh, knew the cousin, Munya. They both said that uh, Munya was saying that they were heading over to Festering Heads. Or at least he was heading over oh, to okay. Festering Heads. You knew that. So you knew that he was heading to Festering Heads. So I've, I've, I've missed a few steps here. Yes, yeah. you're right. We were going to Festering Heads first. Yeah. So you guys went. At that point, you guys then, like, okay, thank you very much. I think you guys gave two gold pieces to. Uh, yeah, this was really well played. I did like the way that this went. When when offered from the. When the, when the prostitute was offered the. A gold piece from the drow, she said no. So she held the position, basically the position is I am an employee and this would be inappropriate. And then, and I love the way that he did this, as he walked out, as, as he walked out the door, he dropped a gold piece on the floor just inside the door. Yeah. That was an inspired move. <laughs> and the description of what happened after that was, you know, the urchins, oh, you know, what was it you said? Well, it, as quick as a flash. Yeah, she picked, she grabbed that gold coin and it was down her, her blouse. Yeah. But the funny thing was, I, 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 what I really liked too was Ventus in the previous couple of sessions was fairly quiet. In this session, he was quite, the, the focus was on him. And so he, I mean, he was doing quite a bit of the talking this time. So that was, that was really good. And I, I hope that he enjoyed it more because he was, you know, that focus point a little bit more this time. Yeah. Around. But yeah, I mean, so you guys, then started hiking towards uh, Festering Hat's place, and along the way, you we had met been told we had we, yes, we had the one name that was left. And again, I think this is the the thing you know. The, if, if the players 
just write some simple notes and keep track of the names and you keep asking the people that you come across, you'll get these little gems as you go. Yeah. And yeah, where is Nasua? It just happened that Nasua was on a construction site on the way to Heath's place. Yep. So again, you know, we've, we found another person. We found out what he wants. He's had 75 gold stolen from him. And you managed to convince him to come along with you. And again, a ridiculously high roll. And I was again sitting there thinking, at first I was just like, no, there's no not even, none of these guys are going to go with you. Again, bloody high roll. And it was, I think it was a natural 20. And I was like, ah, oh, with a natural 20, he'll probably want to go by himself, go along with you guys. So yes, I, I sent in the sewer along with you guys towards Heth's place because, you know, he, you guys were very strong that yes, Rahid is here. You'll get your money back. Just come with us. And so he did. And, and we now have a picture of Nasur being the, you know, the, the local money lender and running his, his uh, racket, his racket on the side. So we are accumulating a, a, a big collection of underworld figures, none of which we have put offside. Yep. And, and when you compare that to the previous group, <laughs> you guys just ended up fighting everybody. We, we put off everyone offside. We didn't have a friend. Or you would insult them we would severely. Be, just do things that were completely inappropriate. Yeah. And, uh, and this is the thing. You guys would be so insulting that you could be the big bad evil guy, but you did such things so uh, chaotically that you would never have the ability yeah. to, to – you would just be the we, yeah, chaotic, we would, big, bad, evil guy. Yeah, really. we would have no, no credibility. People reason. would say, he comes to bad guy, but he's useless. Yeah. Whereas now we have a string of people that, that we are friends with. Yeah. Uh, we've got the prostitute. We've got the guy running, Nasur running the racket. There's a few others that, that as we go along, we've got the police on our side as well. You know? and then, well, well, not, and we don't necessarily have them on our side, but we don't have them against us. So yeah. the next time we have a conversation with any of these people, we have we have created a situation where we may we have a better chance of getting information from them. You know, it's interesting. <laughs> it's interesting though that you did mention the police though, because that reminds me of a comment that when we were doing the the review, where Elbram did the review at the beginning of the session and mentioned the police. That the the key point, and this is why I love the player reviews at the beginning, because it tells me so much. The key point that he said was. And we got no reward for bringing it to Scully. And I was just like, <laughs> uh-huh, interesting reward. And, and of course, Morgan, he is also like, and have we, met, have we reached level two yet? Have we reached level two yet? So I was just yes. like, so session three, everybody's thinking they want reward. They, they want, want session two. They want I the can't. money. They want the level well, one. And I sit there and I see this game as just unfolding as being, you know, create people, get them on your side because once you've got them on your side, I mean, I, I envisage that if we play this game well and we get all these people on our side, then we don't have to roll persuasions and we don't. It, it becomes a game that lets the DM just go with the history well, of the game. That, that's right. I mean, to me, if you develop yourselves as, regardless of how you guys develop yourselves, there should be uh, a consequence to becoming well known whether it's from a good point of view or from a bad point yeah. of view, which either means that your persuasion checks will have a modifier or your intimidation checks will have a modifier. Yeah. And if you don't have to roll the checks, and this is like, and this, my question to you, I guess, is that there's, there will be a, there will be a point in any game where if you play it well, the need to 
do those checks should become irrelevant. If I if my relationship with the police is that good, then when I talk to them, they will give me things that they wouldn't give to the you know mortal man in the same yeah. way that we now have the the money lender on side. Well, and that, and that's that's right because there were there were plenty of times where I, I sat there and thought, yeah, no, this is just going to happen, and I'm not going to make you guys roll for this. Yeah. So you, you just as you guys progress and stuff like I know you're still level one and I don't want to give away too too many things uh, right away because you do really need to work on those. And it also time. does mean that things like I have you know I, I have set the scene in in one of the comments that I dropped and interestingly no one objected to it. We know that Masur has had seventy five gold stolen from him. We know that Rahid has stolen it. Yeah. If we do recover the seventy five gold, I said that we would give it back to Masur. In in that scenario. The, the DM now gets faced with this, this, the position of we get the 75 gold, we seek out Masur, we give him the money that he is owed from Rahid. If you, if we, I would say, I would argue at that point in time, our relationship with him is, has reached a, you know, it's gone up a level. Yeah. Where we built a, a trust relationship with him, where he will give us information. And if we continue on from, you know, we, we picked up, Nasur, we've we've convinced him to come with us, and we arrive at Heth's place, and downstairs at Heth's place we meet. Oh yes, so you you get to Heth's place, and underneath Heth's place is a woman standing there with her uh, packing up a cart. She's got a black panther with her, and this this is the part where I, I was really wondering how you would react because you've been here before and. Previously, that panther was upstairs and had this place. Now, I was curious to see what kind of reaction you would have that the well, panther was now downstairs. And my reaction to that is, like, I haven't played the previous game. And I think that if, you, if you're good at role-playing, and I'm not suggesting that I'm good at role-playing, but a, a bunch of good role-players should be able to play the same game over and over again and get different outcomes. Yeah not utilizing the knowledge that they already have. Yeah, so it's really focusing on what does my character know in this sense. And when you, that's, look, at, that's, that's and when you look at the outcome of this encounter, yeah. it is completely different. Yeah, this was fun. To, to, the, to the previous time, yeah. time round. And my position in the previous encounter was to be at the front of the group because I was the big bad barbarian. In this case, my position was to be at the back of the group because yeah. I'm just the wizard bloke hanging yeah. around. I did like, I particularly liked the fact that you again split the party. The reaction to the elves by this woman. Yeah, because they 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 were both rogues, and yes. they were both trying to stealth their way up uh, to this. Because you're coming up to Heth's house. There's a person there. You didn't know what was going on. So, you, but of course, we all forgot that Nasur was with you. But uh, you were you're coming up there, and you're like, okay, we don't know the situation. What are we going to do? The elves stealthed up. Uh, she saw. She saw. Ventus, uh, but she didn't see Morden. And when Morden came up, uh, as he was coming up, he caught sight of some thieves camp that was scrawled uh, along the wall of where he was uh, hiding. And and of course, after six months of being in the city, my 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 opinion on thieves camp was always that it's not a global thing in the point of view that if you speak thieves camp here, it's going to be the same in the next city. It's the same in the sense that the foundation is there, but each city you go to, you have to learn that dialect of these guys. So I was like, well, they've been there for six months. They would start picking stuff up. 
And so I, I whispered to Morden, yeah, this is what you see. And then he starts signaling to, in Thieves' Camp, using his finger gestures to signal Ventus to let him know. And and then the conversation starts up with this woman, and it, it, it's a, a two-way conversation in the sense that you guys are talking to her, she's responding to you guys, but she's also responding to the two elves in Thieves' Camp at the same time. Yes, which is interesting because, yeah, again, you get this. And she cut me, she shut me down quite fast, <laughs> which I thought was good. And again, we look at that scenario, we walk away, and the three of us that aren't thieves move away, and then the conversation starts up. And the, the, the two guys did a brilliant job yeah. of learning about the... The Thieves' Guild. The Thieves' Guild. Uh, just just absolutely nailed it. Yeah, and, and to me, this, this is another part that I liked was that I was... There's many times where I'm sitting there going through this story and then it's like, okay, well, here's an introduction to the Thieves' Guild. And I'm just like, well, they're two elves. They're new to this city. They're and, thieves. And for six months, they would have been they wanting to get into that. They, they would have been, they would have known who's the know. Guild. And so at this point, I was like, okay, common knowledge-wise, uh, you guys know, you're aware that the Thieves' Guild is named Crimson Paw. You've not been able to find a road into it. Thieves' Guild's name. And blah, 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 blah. And all of a sudden... You know, here's a person that maybe is like that. And so they try. They try to do some Thieves' Camp messages to her, and they start getting some different results. Yeah. And this is brilliant. And again, once again, it shows that you build the relationships with these people. You get the in. They're still being very tentative with each other. Yeah. But at least they've made the contact. Yeah. And it'll be interesting to see how that develops out and how that pans out. Yeah. Because and, and to that end, I was really glad that it happened because... I, I had thought before of, oh, well, there is a city, there is a Thieves' Guild. How would I ever introduce a rogue into the Thieves' Guild and what would I do? And so, you know, thinking about the plot elements, plot hooks and stuff like that, and I was like, well, this woman who is there makes a perfect, you know, why is she in the hunt? Because the hunt is a dead area. So what is she doing there? And what, so she's the menagerie woman is what she's known as. So I was just like, actually, you know what? She would be a perfect person to, you know, be tied to the Crimson Paw. And so now you guys know that she's tied to the Crimson Paw, but that's it. And then what did the guys do? They did something really smart. They're like, how do we get in touch with you? And so you guys, and I was sitting there thinking, will they tell her about, so that she knew you guys were refugees because you're wearing the refugee armbands. Yep. Uh, but you guys didn't tell her where you lived uh, at the refugee camp. Instead, what you guys did was you said that, you know what, if you need to get in touch with us, why don't you just send messages to the, the jubilant Nargile, which was the cafe where you guys started out. And I was like, yeah, that's and, uh, a it, great idea. And in terms of who that, they, they picked the grumpy old woman at the cafe to leave the messages with. So that, that again, was either inspired or completely stupid. <laughs> and it will be interesting to see how that pans out. And especially because, because you get the feeling that she's slightly corrupt as well. Well, and this is the thing too, because I was sitting there thinking, what is going to be my little NPC share to everybody on Discord this week? And I was like, oh, okay, I'll just choose the cafe owner. So I chose the cafe yes. owner and I was like, well, she sees this group, they come up with this calling. What is her perspective going to be? And so I was just like, ah, well, let's just once again focus on the fact of the bloody elves. And so she's just like, oh, well, she knows what elf marked are, the half elves. And she knows that uh, one of the Council of Sand is, is like one of the 
the powerful half elves in the city, but they're still half elves are really bloody rare too. And so she's like debating whether or not she's got to go and rat out uh, to the counselor that there's a couple of looks like true blooded elves. What the hell? And in reading and in reading that, I I would I, I like that because to me there's a, there's a whole conversation you can now have with her, which would be a difficult conversation to have, but it it reads as though this is something she's been interested in for a long time. It's something she discovered when she's young. Yeah. And so I sort of look at that and I'm thinking, I wonder if there's a subplot under here and that she really, she's had plastic surgery and really is an elf or <laughs> from elf family. She's been adopted. Wow. She has Good an point. elfin connection yeah. in here somewhere. And so one of the conversations is that if you found out that she is of elvish blood, even yeah. though she doesn't look it, yeah. then it's, is there a bond that can be built between mm. these elves? I mean, for all we know, they could find out later on that they're brother and sister or something like that. You know, she was stolen away years well, ago. I, and this is why I, I was really wondering, because like when they threw out, well, have them send it to the Jubilant Nargelia, I was like, did they decide to use that cafe because of my little story thing that no, I No, that, that was a... That was a... Spur of the we moment. Are, that was a spur of the moment. We will not tell you where we live. Yeah. Because... Again, it's the thieves' guild. So these guys, these guys are on the ball. And what I like too is not just on the ball, but you guys would every once in a while be like, uh, "Just a minute, uh, we need to talk." <laughs> and, and interestingly, that we do that in character. Yes. So, yeah. so that where you compare that to the other group that never did anything. You know, no. We we have a we would have the conversation, and then we would just tell you, "Oh, and no one heard us say that." <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah. so these guys, yes, just a minute, and we go off and have a little huddle, and then we come back. I, was, there was I do one like point. the comments when we come back, yeah. where, where you, your NPC says something like, you're okay now? You're, you're quite finished? Get out <laughs> where you want to go? I'm, I'm just standing here like a stale bottle of piss. It's okay. Yeah. What well, was it, the one that you guys were talking about? And Oh, the mention of the Crimson Paw, because you mentioned the Crimson Paw, and then we are like, oh, yeah, and the sewer's here. And then I started like, oh, yeah, if the sewer hears the Crimson Paw, he's going to be like this. And so I started responding like, wait a minute, no, we didn't say that. <laughs> I forgot about Masur. Yeah, yeah, no, if Masur is there, we weren't going to say that. Okay, okay, okay. So I let that one go. But yeah, so you, you met her, you had a conversation with her. Uh, something might be coming from that. And we got she started walking off and she told you, well, you can go up this ladder here or on the other building across the way. And you guys are quite smart about this. You didn't all try to attempt because I was wondering if some of you guys are going to take some falling damage because... The, the route to go up the sh- up the, the ship mast and then monkey bar your way across uh, would have yeah. been a challenge. So that would have made it difficult. But I like again, Ventus readily managed to do it, no problem. He he got up there and, and you guys were using your head and he's like, well, I'm going to throw a rope. And I was sitting there thinking, they're, are they going to jump? Because no. last time around, the big barbarian tried to jump, <laughs> fell on his ass and fell off the building and he just stayed down there for the rest of the session. So I was like, are they going to jump? They're like, yeah, I'll jump. And I was like, you got to remember that platform is still another 10 feet higher than the roof. And he's like, oh, crap. Yeah, no, I'm not going to jump if, I, if, if I've got to reach for it. So then it was like, well, what do we do? And then someone was just like, well, I've got a rope. And I was just like, yes, you've got a rope. <laughs> so, so what are you going to do? Tied a rope. So he tied it off. And then, then it was like, well, we tied the rope off. I mean, I'm not going to freaking walk across like this. And I was like, that's a good point. So how are you going to get across I'm going to take off my belt and I'm going to use that. And I was like, good idea. There you go. Using your head. And in those scenarios, I was just like, there's no point to roll for this because yeah, that was a brilliant idea. So just do it. 
You know, I'm, I'm not going to let you fail that and then just kill the story because you had a brilliant idea and I'm going to punish you for it. And then we all arrived. Well, we didn't all arrive. We didn't all fit on the landing, which I yeah. was a bit. We don't all fit on the landing. Oh, come on, that's too well, harsh. So, but How you guys burst in, and uh, inside you you find his laboratory, and so which ones? We clean out the laboratory. Yeah, and then you clean you cleaned it out, and then yeah. you got all the all the goodies out of there, and you went up to the next level, and 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 again, the, when you this is being done well, the the thieves go up to the next level. Everything that those guys are doing is all about being the guys out the front that can get there quietly without being seen. They can scope out the situation and then we can make an informed decision on what's going on. Yep. They go upstairs, they find a blood-soaked room yep. with a dead body in a hammock. Yes, that's right. So you guys go up there and there you find Heth and he's dead. And, he's dead. and it's interesting he's, how he's died, which is a a single spike through the back of the head or the back of the neck. Yep. Which, of course, our rogues immediately leap to the conclusion that it is the lady from downstairs, which is a fairly reasonable conclusion to leap to. I thought that was interesting too. They're just like, it must have been the woman downstairs. And here, you know, there, there are times when I, because I mean, the module is a public module that anybody can buy. And so, you know, I always wonder, do they, do they read this stuff? Because... I've changed so much inside that module in terms of who these people are, what their motivations are. So, I mean, yes, there are, there's an overrunning story here, but the people in it are, I've, I've changed a lot. So I was just like, where does that logic come from? Where did they come with that? She's the one that killed. Oh, but I thought good on that for the, where, you know, where this is coming and they, they go to look at her and she's gone. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm like, I might just gone to, she's an assassin. Yeah, uh, I think they 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 are playing the part of what they want to be. Yeah, which is they want to be really high quality assassins. Well, That's and the other thing, I, probably the leap in logic was because so. they when they started reading reading the thieves cant there, it said Crimson Paw need gear, and so they started talking with her, and she told them while well, she actually sells certain very specialized thieves yeah. equipment. And they got all very excited about the equipment that she had on the list, but it was all very pricey. And, but she told them that, well, you can buy it or you can earn it. And so they're all really, really excited. So I, I can see where their logic was because she had thieves, yeah. assassin type tools there for sale. So, yeah. yeah. Um, and so, you know, we've got another little bauble dangling in front of us. Yes. <laughs> We're, you know, tr trying to retain, tr trying to keep the, the two thieves on the straight and narrow could be somewhat challenging next yeah. week. I'll be wanting to run off and join the thieves' guild. And, and well, they, they, their only communication with her, and this is why I thought it was brilliant, is because there's nowhere to run. They, they, she disappeared yep. pretty much as soon as you guys went up there. She was gone. So your their only connection to her is through the jubilant Nargile. And when she sends messages or when she receives messages, you guys have no idea. So. There, they, there's no way for them to completely just run off. But you're there. Hakan's dead, or Heth is dead, yep. and no Rahid. No, and and we do know from what Nasur has said that Nasur did chase him off, off to the north. Yeah, and so that is the only lead that we have. That's where he's gone. We cleaned out everything that he owns. It, there is now an interesting question to be asked at the beginning of of next week, and that is. 
We have a relationship with the police. We have just found a dead body and we have cleaned out the place. Now, do we ring the police and say, by the way, here's another dead body that we found yep. in our travels? Or do we just let that one pass? Yeah, that's up to you guys and what you guys are going to do with that. So there's that ethical quandary. And, yeah. and what would it gain us? Because the first thing the police will say is, there's nothing here. Did you touch anything? Yes, we've got it all in our backpacks. Yeah, <laughs> we cleaned the place. <laughs> That's great. You took, yeah. you took so, everything. Yeah. Uh, or, or do we just? And I think well, the conversation may be had, but I think that probably the answer will be this one. We're just going to let go. Yeah. Let's one go through to the keeper. That's yeah. fine. Um, and then we and then we hit. Uh, well, I mean, you guys made the good point. You're like, all right, he's dead. And I don't know what your guys' thinking was on this, but I, I like that. It was like, all right, we've got everything out of here. The, that woman is gone. Nasur's down there waiting because Nasur stayed down because he was like, well, I'll wait if Rahid it yeah. comes out and so I can grab him. And so he's down there shouting, what's going on up there? And you guys pretty much come down at that moment, let him know. And he's just like, huh? Yeah, okay, I'm out of here. Because he's yeah. just like, dead body. I'm in the hunt. Yeah, I don't want to be here anymore. Ciao, guys. And we did attempt to give him something in order to... You know, yeah, you tried to give him a mace. Give him a mace. <laughs> here, here, we've got a mace. Would you like this? We found it upstairs. I call these mace, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it wasn't a great thing. But again, it was all about make the offer. Yeah. See what comes off. Yeah. And so he and, gave and you guys his little thing about, you so, know, if you find Rahid and... And again, we've got the same thing. We can yeah. talk to him and he can talk to us. And the cafe is now becoming... Oh, now has the potential to become the one point that will completely undo us because she will either hand us over to everybody or the point at which all our communications will go through. Mm. From, a, from a DM point of view, I see uh, Astra. Is it Astra? Astra is the owner. I see Astra as being capable of becoming a very entertaining person in this. Mm. Astra only needs to drop in a nonsense message and we will be oh, yeah. chasing our tails. <laughs> no, 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 no. message. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. She just has to lie to us True. and say, oh, I've got this message from Nasu. He's over there. He needs you now. <laughs> yeah. and, and we're doomed. Yeah. Um, but she, and she, she does. I mean, you can play her up to the wazoo. I think that, that she can really have a, a fun time. But, and it would be nice to drag her out of her grumpy cafe ownering herself so that she would become, you know, be grumpy to all the other patrons, but with us be nice. Or, or maybe not all of us, but just with one of us be nice and the rest well, of us treat like rubbish. You know, and the thing is too, is like I, I debate quite a bit, you know, how do these people react? Now, of course, you know, you're a big city and someone just comes up. From a service point of view, if you're running things, you're going to have a service. But sometimes you guys are just like downright rude. So I, I, yeah. I respond in kind and just uh, and let that be until you know something else happens. But yes, uh, and sometimes they, the, the 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 NPC that you meet will see something in you that is something they remember from their child or something yeah. like that, and so they will treat you better or differently to the rest of your group. And the rest of your group will sit there and go, there are five of us here, but you know, he always gets the piece of cake with the most icing on it. Yeah. How does that come about? Yeah. 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 So that's really good. Yeah. And I, I, and I, I've actually thought of a couple of other little elements for, for the barbarians. I, I know what uh, some of his motivations would be and the same thing with the warlock in terms of some of his motivations. So I've got a couple of little things to, 
hook them in a, a, a little bit deeper. Yeah, I need to be dragged. Yeah, because, well, the one thing that I, I, I like is you guys aren't aware of it, but this, the point of Elbrum saying, you know, I want to take the last watch so that he's uh, yeah. awake at a certain time. There's a meaning behind that. And so, you know, when, when we're talking about watch order a couple sessions ago, he was quick to catch on why I suggested to him to take the last watch. And he was just like, yes, I definitely want to take the last watch. Yeah. And so from our point of view, he, he just, he'll be the guy that always takes the last watch and maybe some point in time we'll go, hang on a minute. Well, well the, the interesting thing too is what I've done is I've spun it that some other stuff is going on with the elves. So uh, one of the elves is aware that this is going on because elves, I mean, they only, they, they go into a trance for four hours, but they still do need the eight hours. So of the other four hours of the long rest, they're just kind of doing trivial things that don't, you know, don't detract from, from the recuperation. Right. So, um, yeah, one of the elves is aware that, that Elbrum is, is getting up late in the evenings. The, the cats also, uh, you know, this recurring thing of the cats are watching us. Yes. You keep saying it, but it's not like it, it's not a, it hasn't become a demanding, you know, it hasn't become a nagging thing yet. It, the, my, my thinking is, is that you guys, what I've, what I've started to see is that you guys will chase down possibilities that are immediate and in front of you. And then when it's no longer a possibility, it's at that point that you guys seem to remember, oh yeah, there was something else there that he mentioned quite a few times. Let's, maybe there's something to this. Let's follow that thread now. I guess, it, and, and it's, it, it, this comes back to the thing, it's mm -hmm. the commitment to go find the, the gem. Mm -hmm. We are finding the gem, but there is the, the one thing Lots of things have come, but only come once, and they're sort of they're on my great list of to do. My great to do list is to go and chase down all the flying leaves. But the cat thing is coming back. It's still not penetrating enough yet, but it may after the encounter that we're in the middle of doing now. Yeah. Another thing. So so once we've we've done Heath's place, we then go heading north to find Raheem and something that perhaps we should do more often, and that is we should be asking the question, you know, we are walking down the road, what shops do we pass? Yeah. And I must say, I, I do like the way that you made this a lot easier this time. Uh, and also, again, it was hand, you know, another bright, shiny bauble. You led us to an armory. Well, in this particular <laughs> case, very you, entertaining. this was, you guys were walking right by, and that's why I was asking, which path are you guys taking? Yeah. Because... I have some pins on the map that I've thrown down and I was like, you know, I, I created a, a few of these and clearly not enough for a city that size, which, which also brought in the fact of this whole 500 feet because we were looking yes. at the map and it's just like, wait a minute, 500 feet. And it's like, that should take you a couple minutes. I was like a couple minutes to walk across. Now I know these are small islands just off of it that probably only have like 30, 40 odd buildings, but does it take only a couple of minutes to walk across one of these things? I, I don't know. It's in my mind, it just seemed all of a sudden that it shrunk down and got a lot smaller. And I was just like, wait a minute. That it's almost like the if the grid is 500 feet, it's almost as though the island can hold one or two buildings. Yeah, each of the islands. And then I was just like, oh, <clears it's... throat> At 500 meters, it would make more sense. Yeah, at 500 meters, it made a lot yeah. more sense to me. And in my mind, I guess that's the part where converting between metric and, and, and uh, imperial is just, yeah, a crappy deal. But anyways, well, we can. So I mean, one way to do it is we could make if we make it five hundred meters. I don't have a problem with it. You don't have a problem with it. The so then it's, well, the, well, it's five hundred yards for them. 
500 yards, 500 meters. The, the, the problem is for them, um, well, actually the problem for us is that everything in D&D is based on feet and inches. Well, that's not a problem for me because I'm incredibly old and so I did learn that there were yeah. 5,280 feet in a mile, so I can, right. I can translate back to that yeah. quite easily. But you, you unfortunately being way too young, have well, no idea what a foot is. You think no, it's something, something I, I, I remember I mean, we used it all the time uh, back where, where I grew up as well. But I think it was when I was in high school that it, they, the country decided to go metric. And I just, I mean, it was all decimals and, and tenths of everything. So I was, I never looked back. It's just so much easier. But anyway, yeah. I, so I, I very clearly wanted to know where your guys' path was because I had some shops there and I was just like, so far, the way you guys are going, none of the shops were just there. And it sounds like, well, you guys are all really encumbered. You probably want to stop and shop some stuff. So, uh, yeah, I, and, and it just so happened that that shop that you're walking by on that island, yes, it was an armory. And, and I, in the conversations that were held at the shop, we found out where other shops were. And I must say, I was seriously impressed with the fact that you had done the work to set up a string of shops all over the map. Yeah. And every time we asked about a shop that sold poisons or weapons or you know, a particular item, you were able to reveal a pin on the map. Again, we go back to you're dangling another bauble at us because some of these shops or most of the shops are not in the direction that we're going, yeah. but they are places that we would want to visit. Yeah. So there is this... If you guys had some cash. <clears throat> yeah, if you've got cash. And it's just the way you play the game. I think this goes back to if you're if you're a good player, then one of the things that you need to know is or be asking the question is, what shops am I going past? And can I gather other information where all the other ones are? Yeah. Because if we look back at the previous games, it has always been if you want to find a shop, you will walk up and down streets till the cows come home. Well, and that's just it. So, I mean, the, the thing is, too, is if you, that's right, you talk to ask people, you, you ask the questions. I mean, that, that goes right back to a previous session when uh, Elbrum, you know, was very clearly, look, hey, I'm, I'm looking to buy a camel. Uh, I've heard of, of Hakan, the camel yeah. dealer. I mean, where's he live? Very clearly. I mean, why wouldn't the person say, oh, yeah, sure, he's just up there. Yeah, you know, so and and, that, and that's the case, and I was just, and that's why I really love the Deluxe Oz's extension for locations, which is that's magnificent, isn't it? Yeah, where you can tie, you could create those shops, add a bit of an inventory, and there's some other guys. They've actually created this business of randomizing small different types of merchants and what kind of things that they would carry. So all I have to do is just take that. Because most of that random stuff occurs in a what's called the story entry within Fantasy Grounds. So I just take that story entry and I just copy paste all of that into the location thing that the Lux Oz created. So then that location becomes a pin. I, I turn it green when you're nearby, and then you can see the inventory there. And if you're there, then you're just the drag and drop thing. I love the drag and drop thing. I, I thought it was great that I could actually sell something and it was just a case of drag it out of my inventory, drop it on the shop, <clears throat> the transaction gets processed, the money disappears, the in, the stock item shows in the shop inventory. Uh, significantly marked up, I thought that there was a very, <laughs> that was quite good the way that the, in, in fact, it was more expensive to buy it in that particular shop than just off the shelf at your standard well, Kmart. And that, that's the thing too, is I was, uh, I, I very, I thought a lot about what it would be to have a magic item. 
And I really didn't want you guys to be focused on, let's just buy, buy, buy our magic items. I, I would much rather you guys. And I, I did some research on this and, and reading on this. And someone had wrote this really good end world wiki article about the cost of magic. And I thought it was really, really brilliant because from his point of view, he's like, you know, when you're using healing potions and stuff like this or scrolls, these are one-time items. Why would they cost you a thousand gold pieces for a one-time use item? Yeah. And some of them might like a, a supreme healing potion is a lot more complicated to make. So yes, it would be more expensive, but it shouldn't be a legendary item with a legendary cost of 50,000 gold pieces. Nobody would buy that. Yeah. So, I mean, the only people who would buy that who've, who've, who've been gaming forever and they've got wealth up the wazoo. So I, I was, from my point of view, I was like, when it's a, a one-time usage thing, and, and this is what the guy was writing conceptually, if it's a one-time usage thing, it should be based on, the cost should be based on, on the rarity of, of the items you created to create it. So you have your consumables. Mm-hmm. So consumable magic items should be a lot cheaper. Yeah. And so I was like, yeah, I, I think that's a brilliant idea. But magic gear that is used over and over again, mm-hmm. that's much, much more expensive. So yeah. for example, in the player's handbook, if you wanted to get a messaging sending stone, I mean, it was like a couple hundred gold. So what I liked was in Eberron, sending stones, they dissolved after you use. So I was just like, yeah, 200 gold, and this sending stone dissolves. So the ability to send messages to another person over long distances is very, very valuable. And all of a sudden now, if you want to buy one that's a permanent one, it's 10 times more mm-hmm. expensive. So it just... Because it's being able to to talk to anybody on the planet from a long distance, like that's just, you know, <clears throat> it's extremely valuable. Yeah. So I, I love what they did with that. And so I put that into play. And so, yes, you know, if you want a plus one item, it's not going to be the 150 gold that it is in a player's handbook. It will be, you know, six, 700 gold. Yeah, pieces. it'll be far more expensive. Yeah. Again, as we were chasing after Rahid and we have arrived at the armor shop, I do like the fact that the commercialization has kicked in. Yep. Finally, there has been sponsorship. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and this was well, this was a, a very, very, very entertaining twist. I yep. do love, you could hear, you could hear the mouths, the jaws dropping when that offer came out. So yep. you might want to explain. Yeah. So they had a couple of, they found some studded leather on the rat folk people that were murdered where you believe Rahid's place was. So the two thieves are like, yeah, I'd, I'd love to have this studded leather, but it was too small for them. So, and it wasn't magical and, and regular armor doesn't magically resize like magical armor does. So it was like, okay, well, you need to get it resized. And so she, she's like very clearly, look, I, you know, so these were elves and she was again oppressed elves. She's like, this is a marketing opportunity. How about you wear my logo and I will do this for like a gold. I will resize this stuff for you for a gold. It'll take me at least a day. And the, the elves were like, well, can I have it on my arm? Cause I knew they wanted to hide it. They, but and I was like, they, no, it needs to be on the chest. And then, so there was this whole conversation about, or should we, or should we not be promoting someone's store? Yeah, yeah, uh, it's great. But, but I think, I mean, again, we are. And then to wet the whistle, what I did was just like, well, I have things like this, and all of a sudden she revealed like one of her most prized possessions, yes. which was this animated shield. 
And you guys, I mean, uh, you could tell that some of the guys were salivating over that. Yes, everybody and, wanted that one. Uh, Interestingly, it, it's very interesting that, that that particular interaction, when you look at how a group of people behave, is that there was some, there was the hesitancy about, do we want to have sponsorship? Yep. You know, ethically, is this the right thing to do? <laughs> there was the conversation about, we all, we have a reputation now, so if we have the sponsorship, this gives us branding to go with it. Yeah. So people now know if you're wearing that, you're part of the, the good guys group. Yeah. Um, I thought that was good. There was also the conversation that was held about silvering weapons. Yeah, and that was fun. Uh, you brought you brought that one up as, hey, who do, do we, you guys, would you silver a weapon? And, and she was like, well, I'll plate a, a weapon, but you know, you guys have got to provide me with the silver. But also there was the decision. The group as a whole had decided that if we are going to make someone more powerful, this wasn't a, everybody sticking their hand up and saying, me, me, me. Yeah. It was decided quite incredibly easily. It was decided if we are going to make someone powerful and give them the ability to do damage, it will be the barbarian and that's who it's going yeah. to be. And I thought that showed excellent team spirit. Well, and, and the other thing too is you guys asked, like she did tell you guys that there was two ways of silvering. Either you just coated your, your, your weapon or you made it with an alloy and she couldn't do an alloy. Someone else, you know, yeah. someone more skilled needed to be there. So she mentioned another shop, and that, that was the thing. I had no problem having her uh, reveal shops that were close to herself on the yes. map. But anything that was further away, no, you guys are going to have to go try to find it. Yeah, and so, again, that's, that's perfectly logical. She would yeah. know there the yeah. shops around the corner. Someone comes in and wants armor yeah. from, yeah. from her, and someone else wants poisons from, she'll say, it's the one around the corner. Yeah. 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 So then we went. So you guys, and, and this, this opens up the door, too. It's like, when you go to the next shop, I'm, I'm, I'm so curious to see what you guys do when you get to the next shop in terms of does that become a, an ongoing theme? But from here, we went on to, we walked past the plaza. Yeah, so you were, the your, the shop was there, you walked across to the next island, and there was no avoiding this island. There was a big plaza there, and there was commotion going on, and uh, you found yourselves involved in another little hubbub. <clears throat> Which we couldn't see. We could, we could hear all the noise. But unfortunately, we were down the back somewhere, and once again, our two young Elvish friends used their spectacular acrobatics, acrobatics and to leap over the heads, left over the heads of the crowd, which I thought was that was very inspiring. But and I made that very difficult, so they needed to me roll higher than a DC eighteen to do it. And yeah, they, I mean with. With their modifiers up the wazoo for acrobatics, yeah, they, they made easily it. made it. Properly. And then, who was it that led us through the crowd? The parting of the Oh, um, I believe it was Elbrum, who actually... Parted uh, the Red Sea, I think. Yeah, this he, was a he had, Moses moment, wasn't he it? He had, I think with his character, he had the Fae Ancestry ability, which allowed him to kind of charm people around him. And yes. so he used that, and I think we did roll for that. And yes, it allowed the people to just kind of parch uh, around him, and, and then you guys, which is behind, and, and Asher just right up his butt to to get past the crowd. And again, a really inspired thought about how do I get through a crowd of people? Yeah. And again, if we if, if they if they continue to perform at this level, these guys will find these things, and that's one that you will put in the bag for yeah. sure. Uh, the fact that you can, you know, say, excuse me, and the seas will part and they will walk straight through. Yeah. And then as soon as you guys came through, all of a sudden, one of the temple priests uh, who was part of the crowd sees you guys and, 
and comes in to let you know what's going on and, and asks for your help. And again, I would hope that this was because we were recognised and she knows of us, but that, I guess, is something we will find out later on. Mm. She may not have known of us. Yeah, because the session pretty much, I mean, we, we, we did. the time flew by, and at this point, I guess we must have gone over, because normally we, we stop gone. at, at yeah. 1.30 in the afternoon, and by this time we would hit 2. So, yeah, but it was it was entertaining to see you guys try to get this cat. We and, needed to catch the cat and put it in the bag. And it was a, it was a fairly large cat, and... Not it happy. charmed you, and it charmed one of the one priests. Of priests yes. And you guys, well, the priest started walking up, and then you made an, one extra save to see if you could recover, and you managed to recover and get your senses back. But she walked up, and she got smacked, and thing almost <laughs> killed her. <laughs> That's true. Or, or no, the very beginning. What happened at the very beginning? The sleep spell. Someone tried to cast a sleep spell. Oh, yeah, this, this will definitely put the cat away. There so was some debate drops. about the location of the sleep yeah. spell, and it was very good that one of our guys picked up and, hang on a minute, you're about to put half the crowd to sleep. And, and that's just it, the sleep spell, yeah. it takes off the lowest, lowest HP people yes. first before. And so he rolled, and I think he rolled 33 yes. as that, and that sleep spell touched seven commoners. They all dropped over to sleep. Dropped and, like, yeah. and the cat was fine. <laughs> yes, cat kept on going. Yeah. Um, so that was uh, a But big again, deal. when we look at this, someone's got a chicken cat. I mean, this is a, it, it was delivered as a throwaway line mm. when you said, oh yeah, and this cat with some chickens in it. And that's what you see in the, in the square, you know, cat, ladies, hysterical things, chicken cat, lady sitting on the cart, two barrels over their table over there. And that one line, someone went, there's a cart full of chickens. Let's try to use Let's that. Let's try and use that. So he wanted to get the chicken and the, the owner of the chicken's like, no, no, no. But so he's like, okay, I'll buy it he from you. He bought a chicken. <laughs> he bought a chicken. And, and then he killed it in front of her. In front of everybody else. Yeah. Uh, but the description of how he killed the chicken. Yeah. I thought was magnificent. The sort of the, the, the theatrics of, of chicken dismemberment. Yeah. Uh, was brilliant. So there, there have been a throughout that session, there have been a string of brilliant moves yeah. by, well, you, by the players. And you tried to do your animal handling and you did very well. And Asher was helping you with your animal handling role. So, and then I, I was very much trying to get, okay, yes, you've got animal handling. What exactly are you trying to do with the animal handling? Get it close enough to someone to grab it. So who would have thought it would be so hard for six people surrounding a cat just to pick it up? Yeah, you guys were really rolling really, I mean, I was doing grapple checks all the time and I know the guys were like, can we do, use dexterity instead of strength for a grapple check? And I was like, well, describe to me how you're going to make that work. Cause I wasn't just going to say yes or no. I mean, give me some imaginative answers to make this work. And, uh, but even then, yeah, uh, when we, when we did get a, a decent or when I did get a decent answer, uh, they still rolled crappy and, yeah. and the cat was rolling really well. Yeah. So couldn't get your hands on it for a while. and But eventually we got the cat. Yep. Eventually you finally got the cat. And we got the cat. But so by that time it was... That um, was time to go. Yeah. Session had closed. So that's where we, we've ended. Yeah. So, I mean, all in all, I, I, I was very happy with it. I was very, very happy with uh, your guys' interacting with each other because a lot of the time, uh, like when you guys are at the laundry room and, and visiting and talking with the laundry woman, I mean, you guys had your own little bit of interactions where... Uh, you guys were talking about, well, let's go and talk to the girl. Let's go find the girlfriend. Mm. And I was sitting there and I was like, you guys had enough of a conversation that I was sitting there like, ooh, 
what am I going to do with this girlfriend? And what's going to happen? Where, where should, I haven't thought about that. And so because you guys did, I had enough time to be, uh, okay, she's this and blah. And so I you know, managed to throw something in. So this was much easier than it's been in the past because the players have been doing more of the conversation. Yes. Which has given you more time to come up with other things to confuse us and distract us and send us running off on wild goose chases. And you guys are also remembering things so that, oh, man, I, I, was, I, I loved it when I was sitting there thinking about uh, what are these guys going to do? And then one of you guys just remembered something from like one of the first couple sessions and I was just like, oh, fantastic. They actually remembered that because mm-hmm. I was sitting there thinking, how am I going to get them to go in a direction that is going to advance the plot, right? You know, the same thing, like, I had no, you know, taking the Tuscali to the police. I was like, okay, you take it to the police. What is, what would be, how would this roll out? Like, what would make sense? Like, do I go in a completely different direction or do I tie it back? How do I tie it back? So uh, I like that when you guys remembered things, it made my job a lot easier because then I don't need to convince you or force anything. It's, well, you know what? Someone mentioned this and I was just like, oh God, they remember that small item. That's so great. And it's so, interesting that when they do that, there doesn't seem to be, there is always, they have, they have got this ethics about them that this is the task and these things that distract them and they don't fixate on it once they yeah. get there, which means that they don't tend to drag the game off in a, yeah. in a strange direction. And, and I think that that, from a DM point of view, would, as I've seen, is a nightmare yeah. when, when they fixate on things that are, well, putting to make it entertaining, and then the DM's scrambling to. Yeah. Well, and what I really like too was at the very end of this session, as you guys have just caught the cat and you're just starting to have a conversation with the priest just before we end up, one of you guys asked the question about Rahid, and they're like, Who's Rahid? And you mentioned about uh, him maybe running through here and, and yeah. that this Nasur guy would have been chasing. Now, they didn't know Rahid or Nasur, but they did remember someone running through, and then someone was like, Hey, did the temple cat start go? acting weird when this happened? Yeah. Actually, yes, it did. And it's just like, fantastic that you guys, someone asked certain questions <laughs> that, that gave such a, a much wider opening to, you know, at the end and, of the day, understanding a lot more of the, the subplots that are going on. And it's interesting that, that, that I'm glad you mentioned that because if I just did notes, I don't think I've got that one, but I do remember it being brought up. And the last five minutes of that game mm. was quite chaotic in terms of it was very late and guys are wanting to go and the bits of information were coming out so fast but we now have someone went through and we have to figure out is this a one-off thing is it that the we don't even know if there's been a magical impact on the cat if there has is it that the cat has been hexed and will stay hexed is it a distance thing is Mm -hmm. it as the um, you know, is it hexed because there's someone nearby? Yep. You know, this is a, a whole pile of questions to be asked next time around. It would have been, it, from my point of view as a player, it would have been better not to have gone into the square given the time constraints. Yeah, I mean, you're right. If, if I was paying attention to the clock, I probably would have said, okay, after the armory. But when you because one of the problems here is that I didn't realise that we had run so far into it. Normally we take a break after about an hour. Yeah, that's true. And it was two hours before I went, hang on a minute. 
we've been going for two hours and, you, and it doesn't feel like two hours. Yeah. When you, but this is the thing, you know, the old adage, a good game, a good game is a fast game. Yeah. Um, and this just, this just really does tend to run away from us. Yeah. If you, if it, if, if you lose track of time from the point of view, the story is absorbing you, then, I mean, that's certainly, to me, that, that's, that's a good thing in my point of view. Yeah, it is. It, it, and everybody's got the same thing. They, they were clearly all absorbed in, yeah. in what was going on. What I'm saying is we're all having such a great time that we lost track of time and now we're sort of in the middle of an encounter yeah. that, that hasn't Yeah, so up. an encounter it, that hasn't quite wrapped right And up. it will yeah. be interesting to see how that picks up because, again, from, a, from our point of view, from a player point of view, this is something that we've never done before. We, mm. We've never cut off in the middle of an encounter and had to pick up where we left off. Mm. And it'll be interesting to see how well they handle this. Yeah, well, it'll be interesting to see if we can keep the energy going for myself as well. As it's like, okay. Well, I think, I, I think just to just to put that, the encounter that we're currently in back in the position and go, we're halfway through it, guys. Pick up where you left off. If they can do that, that will show that this is a team of, of, of people that have really grasped this game. Yeah. yeah. By the... Yeah. and I've got it nailed. Yeah, and I and, and again for me, like I'm hoping that you and me we see it this way, and I'm hoping that uh, as well because there was the comment again about you know we didn't get a reward for the Tuscali, and we you know have we reached the second level yet? And so I, I'm a little but bit concerned it, that if this is a a big important issue for them, and I, I wonder if the story is not hooking them enough or they're really wanting those those rewards. So it's something I'm thinking about. I, 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 I'm not convinced. I, I think that from the, the messages that have been going back and forward, that the hitting level two thing is now becoming part of a, uh, this is the underlying joke, is the running joke is that are we ever going to get to level two? I think everybody accepts that getting to level two doesn't actually, I mean, gaining levels doesn't gain you anything. It means that you get to fight something that's more powerful, you get a few more spells, you get yeah. better weapons, that kind of stuff. But if if the game is about encounter, yeah. then really what you want to do is you want to improve your your scores on intelligence and wisdom and all that kind of stuff. That, that's that that's what you want. Better spells aren't going to help you, and and more money is going to give you bigger, well, bigger weapons. But if you're not using them, who cares? It, it does help from the point of view of making sure that encounters are going to be more and more in your favor that's why mm. as you gain in levels it's it's a lot more challenging for a, a gm to find certain creatures that would mesh up now for me I, i'm a big fan of you know uh, matt mercer and matt colville because both of them are like well why wouldn't a goblin who's lived long enough be same level as you like if you are level 10 why couldn't a goblin be level 10 and why couldn't a goblin i mean they're not there's nothing to say. I mean, in this world and in, say, like Eberron, they're, they are cultures. They are civilized races. Uh, whereas in Forgotten Realms and, and Faerun, they tend to be just easy to kill monsters that you throw at people at the beginning that really aren't. And, and that's the competitive approach to it. You know, leveling up because of combat. I, 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 I think that the untapped. No, no, but it's not just that. I mean, there's more to it. Like, if you find a goblin that's level 10 who's got, I don't know, who went down the fighter road and stuff like this, it means that when you do have an encounter with them, you can still have an encounter on the same level from the point of view of we're having a conversation. But now, if that encounter goes sour, 
there's still going to be a level playing field in terms of, well, mm. it's not just going to be a cakewalk and pff, screw that. So, yeah. I mean, you're not going to intimidate the crap out of this guy just yeah. because you're up here and he's down here. So taking monsters or, 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 or other characters and, and allowing them to be more than what they are just on, on the stat sheet from monsters manual is, is to me just a bringing integration of, yeah, it's just take, taking, you know, things like, some of them might not like an aberration. That's like the the roper that we mentioned. To me, that's just like a, a puddle of a pool that's got tentacles. I mean, does that level up? I, I can't understand how that would happen because I can't conceptualize that. But humanoid beings that walk on two legs and have brains. I mean, all of yeah. them should be able to. Yeah, I suppose so. You know. So, anyways, I mean, encounters don't always necessarily mean combat. I mean. I look at today uh, the session last night, and there was the encounter with the laundry woman. There's the encounter with the the laundry woman at brothel. There was the encounter at Heth's place or Nasur and his people. Yeah. Then there was the encounter with the, the woman below Heth's place, and then I guess even finding the dead body of Heth. I mean, that was an encounter of sorts. Yeah, and, and I, I think those are all. I just encounters. look at all of those and go. Does, is there a need to level up for those encounters to be any better than they were? And if we do level yeah. up, do they get any better? Yeah. Is there anything that, that, because I see the encounter as being that. I see the encounter as well, being the conversation, not the war. Yeah. I, I mean, if people t- t- want to be uh, leveling up and go down a road where they are better able to convince, persuade, or, or intimidate, I mean, there, yeah. there's spells and things that can be done in that direction that they could certainly yes. help those encounters go in more your favor. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, it doesn't always necess- have to be about let's get into combat. Yeah. Because even with this cat, capturing the cat, it really, I mean, you guys rolled for initiative so that I knew who was doing what and when, but I mean, it was not an encounter of we're going to, you know, kill this cat. No, no, that was just really good structuring. Yeah. All in all, I thought it was a brilliant job. Yeah, it was a good game. And with that, we're well, done. Too.